Welcome back to another episode of the Sheepdogs Woo. Podcast. Here we are at Dogs. the St. Joseph's Chapel, and we have some special guests today that we didn't expect to have, but they are here with us. Michael, you might want to introduce, actually. Okay, so the two guests that we have today, um, the first one being my father, William Sullivan. Right, um, Mr. Sullivan. Yeah, he yeah. wanted me to mention that uh, to all of my uncles out there that he was the first one to be graced on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Once again, I'm first. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next guest is Deacon Mike Willig, who has been on the podcast before, but he's going to be joining us again, which is super awesome. So thanks for being here, Deacon Mike. Good to be here with you. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, today we're going to talk about it's it's Easter, so we're happy Easter, Hallelujah. everyone. Yeah, sorry we weren't on last week. It was Good Friday. We were we were praying a lot, and uh, so we're back now, though, celebrating. And we're going to talk about the road to Emmaus, which is one of the only accounts of Jesus after the resurrection, and it's in the Gospel of Luke, verses twenty four, uh, verse thirteen through thirty four, and what this means. Why did Jesus appear here? Uh, walking through what happened, and I'm excited because it's a it's a great reading. So we're going to start with a prayer, though. Father Jacob, sure. you take us away. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, we ask you to uh, stir up in our hearts, especially uh, as we hear these living words uh, of inspired scripture. We pray for all those who are tuning in today that they too uh, may just know the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives especially during this Easter season and going forward, that we may all be inspired by the living word of Jesus today and attentive to, uh, to the calling of the Holy Spirit. We ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. springtime we got a little music in the background yeah neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice day here in oxford a lot of people out there's a dunk booth actually on the corner really yeah some fraternity guys are wow paying paying for people to dunk each other in okay there. so okay yeah huh. anyway <laughs> yeah deacon we have a deacon here so we thought it'd be most fitting that he read the scripture verse for us sure this is from luke chapter 24 13 through 35. Now that very day, two of them were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them, named Clopas, said to him in reply, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place there in these days? And he replied to them, What sort of things? They said to him, The things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, 
who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some of the women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke! Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on further. But they urged him, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were our hearts not burning within us, while he spoke to us on the way, and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once, and returned to Jerusalem, where they, had, where they found gathered together the eleven and those with them, who were saying, the Lord has truly been raised, and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. <clears throat> yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. Just if you maybe got zoned out while listening to try to explain what happened, there are these two disciples of Jesus. You know, they were close to Jesus because of how much they knew when they were trying to explain what was going on. And they were walking away, though, from Jerusalem. And this was three days after uh, the death of Jesus. And so they're walking away. They probably are not planning to return to Jerusalem. And they, Jesus appears to them, but they do not recognize him. And they ask, Jesus asks them, what are you guys talking about? And they, they respond, what do you mean? Are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what has been happening these past few days? And Jesus keeps asking them to see what, what they think about it. And so then he continues on, and, and then Jesus tries to explain to them all the scripture verses in the Old Testament that, that would have prophesied Jesus as the Messiah coming here. But they still don't recognize him. And he almost goes on to another town, but they have to urge him back to stay with them. And it isn't until the final breaking of the bread that they are able to recognize him. And then they return imme immediately to Jerusalem. 
So there's kind of a lot to unpack here. I wanted to throw it to Father Jacob first. Uh, if you had any specific favorite parts or anything you want to unpack first. Mm. Yeah, well, there is so much. It's, it's good to look at this, I think, kind of point by point. But, of course, the end is just the climax, right, of uh, coming to know that they realize it's Jesus and the breaking of the bread, right, and just how that says so much. But one thing that stuck out to me is just even in the beginning, right, so when they're starting, they're walking with our Lord, and their eyes were kept from recognizing him, right? Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And I think it's good to think about that in our own lives. How many times are we walking with Jesus or not really, you know, aware that he's there or the presence of the Holy Spirit and we just be busy about our things, even if it is, you know, maybe we're not quite walking away from God. Maybe we're, yeah, just busy with life. Um, but yeah, not recognizing Jesus in the people before us or in the work before us or just like that the Lord is continually working in our lives, continually pursuing us just as he just shows up randomly at the beginning of this story. You know, they could have thought like, who's this guy, you know, walking with us. And they're trying to explain who Jesus is, but Jesus is right there. So how many times, you know, is it the person that's whatever on the other side of the cubicle or, you know, in our classroom with the person that annoys us or that smells bad or a roommate or whoever it is, even just ourselves at times, we forget Jesus is present within us. Um, and so it's just good to read this and remember like, wow, God is totally there. Not only is he within us, but in everyone we encounter, but also he can be found, you know, all around us. So just remember that Jesus walks among us. That was one thing that just going, starting at the beginning, like how can we continually remind ourselves that sometimes we think, yeah, we're, we're doing so many things, but really that the Lord wants to speak so much to us too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Start, so. Oh yeah. That's, that, that makes me think of, I heard this story once about how uh, there were these, this person died and they saw their life on a, on a beach and they saw two sets of footprints. It was Jesus and it was this person. Bill here has heard this. He, he's nodding along. And I'm pretty sure at, at one point uh, there was only uh, two footprints instead of four. And it was that hardest person in that person's hardest time in their life. And they looked at Jesus and said, why, why did you abandon me during this time? And he said, I didn't ab abandon you. I was carrying you during that hardest part of your life. Mm -hmm. But how I'm sure these disciples during their walk, they're probably distraught thinking if he was the Messiah, he just abandoned them. Mm -hmm. And But here's Jesus talking to them and they don't even realize it. And so in our lives, yeah, it does make me think how many times during my hard, hard times in my life am I just frustrated at God or mad at God when in reality he's the one that's drawing me closer to him. I think you're exactly right, too, because there's in that line coming shortly after that when they said, we hoped, we hoped that he was the one. And they're that kind of insinuating, like, well, I guess he wasn't, you know. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, and so, um, but Jesus is right there with them. That's a great point, too, just thinking how Jesus himself is praying that prayer just days before. My God, my God, why have you forsaken or abandoned me? Mm -hmm. And uh, so he knows that feeling that we feel at times, but yeah, he's continually present. It's great. Can anyone, uh, anyone feel free to chime in, relate if there's ever been a time when it's been hard to recognize Jesus or maybe looking back after a hard time, you're like, oh, obviously he was right there, but I, I didn't really recognize him during that whole time. Well, I'll chime in. <laughs> I would say um, one of the benefits of having the most gray hair at the table 
is when you look back and you have the opportunity to look back, um, you're able to witness to what both of you were talking about. You know, it's, um, it's amazing to see where God was working in your life. And the sad thing is, is many times you don't recognize it. You don't know that that was, that was God that was pulling you in a certain direction. It's not always a smooth transition, <laughs> but um, having God pull you in a direction that allows you to be drawn closer to him, allows you to be on the right path, allows you to not limit yourself. Um, so to be more aware of God in your life, in all the things that you're doing in your daily life, in your work, in your school, it it changes your mindset. It changes your mind frame. And I can't say that um, during those times in my life that I was exactly looking for God to be acting in my life, but he still was. Mm-hmm. And that was the beauty of it, that I wasn't, I wasn't as engaged with him, but he never stopped engaging with me. That's so beautiful too, just how you share that, because I think of these guys, and it says their eyes were kept from recognizing him. You know, imagine them looking back later, telling the story as, you know, St. Luke is writing it down. They're like, how do we not know it was him? Obviously, they were prevented from that. And I think that's so good in our own lives to remember, because at times, we're trying to see God in the present moment, and we can't really, we struggle to do that. Or in the future, we have our worries. But it's so good to sit down and look back. Because like you said, you could really see the Lord working in the past. Like, oh, that time, I thought it was so bad, or this or that. But the Lord, you know, as it says elsewhere in Scripture, God turns all things to the good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And so when we look back, we could give thanks. Like, oh, God took care of me this time, and that time, and this time. That's probably what these guys are probably kicking themselves later. Like, how did we even say that to Jesus? But yeah. God's like, He used it all. He used it all. And so the same for us. So I think that's just a great point. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it uh, it reminds me of I, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. I can't believe I haven't talked about it more on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, the line when uh, Frodo's in his darkest hour and Samwise is like just looks at him and is like, you know, all this evil we're experiencing it's just a passing shadow. Like, and in the end, the the sun's gonna shine out the brighter. And I try to keep that in mind because when I, I personally I haven't had a lot of adversity in my life, but when I do experience adversity, just realizing, well, if I start to get bitter, if I start to get angry at God, I know like down the line, I'm going to look back and be like, that was just a passing shadow. But if I if I sit in that anger, then that can really, you know, hurt me later on or just in the moment. So mm-hmm. I try to remember that, but easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, there was another part of here I wanted to talk about. Uh, Father, I don't know if you had any... Uh, learn anything information on why Jesus says you fools he's mm. saying you fools and <laughs> you know it starts to explain to them sure yeah what's going sure on? yeah and anyone else feel free to chime in but uh, that line spoke or that line stuck out to me also uh, because just the way it's phrased at first I was confused by what he meant but uh, yeah oh how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all the prophets declared right and so then he interprets it and uh, so they're slow to believe the prophets, right? That Jesus was the fulfillment. And so they saw everything happen. I think it's kind of what he's saying, right? They saw everything happen. Maybe they were there at the crucifixion or they all talked about it. Everyone heard about it. 
but they're not believing. And so I think he's basically saying here, like, how could you not believe that this was the fulfillment of all these prophets foretelling this forever? And of course, they haven't seen Jesus rise yet. At least they don't think they have. But there he is before them. Uh, and I think it's just beautiful. Jesus being such a man in this moment. I love that. Because he's just like, you guys are foolish. How are you not believing this? Uh, and it's hard to believe as, as humans. We're probably, I could relate to these guys like, well, they haven't seen him yet. Risen from the dead. Mm -hmm. So they're probably struggling. But Jesus calls him out in a hard way, I think, which is good. <laughs> of course, whatever Jesus does is good. But it's just kind of good to see just saying, calling him out like, you guys, uh, yeah, you need to grow. You need to grow in faith. And believe that the Lord is going to provide. And obviously he does. He's right before them. The fulfillment of the prophets, the ancients, all these centuries. Here's Jesus telling them this, urging them on uh, just to be better. You know, like those good coaches, like just getting up in your face sometimes. Mm -hmm. And saying like, come on, I want more. And that's Jesus, I think, to them right now. Right in that moment, giving them some tough love, but uh, urging them on too. And they probably didn't understand at the moment. They're probably like, who is this guy telling us this? But later on, I think that would have like stirred in their hearts when they read mm. that again. Like, ah, oh, I want that to just burn in my heart and not forget that moment of Jesus calling us fools. <laughs> Probably laughing at it too. But I, we all need that at times, right? God uh, just calling us out. So I don't know if you ever had any hockey experience like that, Michael. But yeah, with the coaches. Uh, yeah. Maybe you were the guy pumping the other teammates up. But yeah. Um, you can hear my dad laughing now. I don't know if I would have been considered. Uh, the most virtuous person on any hockey team. <laughs> <laughs> I was usually the one getting in trouble. Um, okay, okay. But, yeah, I guess that's all. <laughs> Unless you have any stories about me and hockey, I think my dad would know that, uh, yeah, I spent a good amount of time in the penalty box, so I don't know if, uh, if there's any stories related to my hockey career that would <laughs> be uplifting to anybody listening right now. <laughs> That would take this conversation on a complete left turn. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right, well, sorry. I, no, I think you were getting at a great point, which is that, like, great coaches, great teachers, they'll, they'll yell at you right when you need to hear it. Like, you, right. you're being foolish, you know? Yeah. And I can speak, my my greatest teachers in my life, I could list them now. They they called me out when I was totally just not giving my full effort. And yeah. and so I, don't, I think that's what he was talking about, Michael. Oh, yeah, I mean, I've definitely had coaches um, throughout my life that um, definitely not the kindest people, um, <laughs> and by any means. But however, they were they were willing to just like give that like really stern correction whenever um, we did anything wrong. So I think, um, yeah, I, I I think there's many people in my life that were willing to just like correct me right where right where I was, and despite me probably being really angry in the moment or uh, frustrated, I think that, you know, looking back at it, um, it did correct me. It did continue to help me grow. So, I mean, and that means, I think, yeah, there's a lot of people like that. I wonder if, uh, Bill had any moments where he had to be that stern father, uh, <laughs> making that moment. I don't know if you had any stories about Michael or. As I say to my children, I, I don't yell at them. I get their attention. <laughs> so, um, I I do I also say to them that um, the world will lie to them it's my job to tell them the truth mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if it's effort in a sport or if it's school or if it's something else um, as parents it would be nice to not have to correct your kids um, but 
you know, that's what we do. And I'm sure as a priest, you find yourself in those awkward moments where you have to lay it out there and say, mm -hmm. no. Yeah. So funny you mentioned that. Yesterday I was just meeting with uh, my spiritual director. Shout out to Father Meyer, one of our guests. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we were talking about, yeah, when you encounter uh, people who you disagree with or you need to challenge them, especially out in the world, like, of course we have to lead with love. That's part of our job. But I think sometimes we just, uh, at least for me, um, yeah, it could be a struggle just to just want to be everyone's friend. And that's a good thing. You want to start out with friendship, love them. But at times, yeah, you just got to call out what the sin is, uh, because especially like as a priest, if you're not calling it out at times, you're just seen as like condoning it almost, right? Like, oh, he didn't say anything about that. And I think the same as Christians, Catholics, fathers, uh, even just whatever, whoever we are as a Catholic, at times we do have to call people out. We do have to, and that is true love. And so it comes across harsh. That's part of it, right? And that's a good thing at times because we're doing it. It's got to be from a place of love. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, it has to be, um, yeah, I can't think of the term, but anyways, it has to be stern, I guess, right? Yeah. You have to stern to show that it, it means something to you. And our, certainly our Lord does this many times. Uh, here he is <laughs> calling the guys out, calling them fools. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's a, a refreshing thing too. People may not appreciate it in the moment, but they'll remember it. Mm -hmm. And they'll remember that you cared enough to tell them, hopefully. And remember that it actually meant something to you enough to say it. Uh, we hope. So you yeah. just do your best at times as a priest. I certainly don't do my best all the time. Um, but uh, that's something I'm, I'm learning from my spiritual director, Father Meyer, just saying, just be straightforward with people. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just want to be like the, the, the guy who's liked, right? And as a leader, you can't always be the one who is liked. You have to say the honest things if we want to improve, right? Same with coaches. It's easy to talk about in sports and like life, business world, maybe we're not as used to it. But something I'm trying to certainly learn as a new priest, but... Um, yeah, it is good to realize I'm having an impact. Uh, we can challenge others, and certainly our Lord does that to us, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he definitely does it. Yeah. No, I, I, I remember I heard a quote that was like, if you want to make everyone happy, go sell ice cream, you know. <laughs> but that's that's not what a leader does. <laughs> you got to give it free away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah free. Away. Nice, exactly. And I even worked at an ice cream store. I, I gave them so much ice cream. I get complaints that I gave too much ice cream. <laughs> How, how can how can you give too much ice cream? Uh, but I wanted over serving them. <laughs> I guess that's why I got fired. No, I didn't. But uh, I was wondering because they continue on, and it says that they urged him to stay yeah. because he was gonna he was gonna move on. I was wondering if you had any insight on that, and I'm sure they um, what, part of him them getting yelled at by our Lord probably mm. uh, incited something, and then be like, wait, there's something about this guy that. You know, uh, let's 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 urge him to stay. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll chime <laughs> in on that. Uh, uh, to me, I guess it makes me think of, you know, these guys just came from a, a mountaintop experience. They were with the Lord, and He showed them who they were. Not only you know who He was as the Messiah, fulfilling the Scripture, but also who they were called to be as his disciples and of course he explains all of the prophets to them and in that way you know teaches them about who they are their narrative what their mission is now in life um, and when we have those mountaintop experiences i think of being on retreat you know it's so nice to be on retreat but you don't want to leave 
you know? But the reality is you have to go back down into the valley, into sometimes even the shadow of death, into the world um, where, you know, there's chaos and the struggle is real and you have to be out on your own and rely upon the Lord in, in a way um, that is, yeah, through the faith he has given you. Uh, but you don't have necessarily that presence felt with you all the time, right? Um, and I think, you know, talked about coaching a little bit. The same could go for coaching. When you have a really good coach, you, you want to have him with you all the time, you know? And the reality is there's a certain point in life where you have to move on to the future. And you may not have that presence. You may not have that coach. Uh, you may not have that father with you or priest with you or whatever it is. Uh, yet the Lord is with you and calls you on to do more. Uh, I remember specifically just an example from my own life. I was involved in martial arts uh, for, you know, my high school years, and I loved it, you know, and I had a great coaches. Um, but then I was going to college, and one of my coaches said, hey, you should just go try out for the wrestling team. Just go work out with those guys and see what happens. You know, you could learn from them. And I was like, what? Wrestling? That's so different than what I had done in the past, at least in my mind. Um, but he really challenged me to do that. And it meant that, you know, I was stepping away from that comfort zone, stepping away from him as my coach and into a, a whole different environment, you know, stepping into the chaos in a sense. Um, but it was great for me. You know, it helped me to develop, to learn much more. And I, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's, I can relate to that too. It's just having, having someone that, uh, is your coach or a good friend and you don't want them to leave and, uh, <laughs> yeah, just having to go out on your own. It's definitely hard. Yeah. I wonder what that moment was like. Yeah. And then Jesus acting like he's not going to stay and then he does stay. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? And so then of course, then they have the meal, Jesus breaking mm -hmm. the bread. It's so great too, how in that line, um, you know, he's at a table with them and it says those lines, which are so important. He took bread, blessed it, broke it and gave it to them. And those, those things are always very important in the mass, right? He, he took bread or the last supper took bread then he blessed it. Then he broke it and then he gave it to them. Those four movements, uh, you could say, right? So the same, like we always, there's the procession of bringing the gifts forward normally, like bringing what we people, what we have are simple gifts to the Lord. And he blesses it. The priest blesses it. But then he breaks it. Uh, so like showing the sacrifice and then giving it back to them. And of course, that's just the profound moment. The, the, uh, the climax of this, right? Their eyes were opened and they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. No, I think like thinking about that, um, the part where they, they recognized him right when Jesus began to like break the bread and... I don't know. I think I think like that's something that's like really that can hit hard in terms of like our lives here. How many times can we go throughout the entire week with not even like really recognizing, you know, Jesus working through our life or, um, you know, we're not really thinking about it at all. And then come Sunday, that's like the day that like, oh, it's finally, you know, we finally can recognize that because we're going to mass. And I don't know, I think like we just have to realize that it's not only that, you know, not only on Sundays and so many pe people treat it as a only on Sunday, that's kind of like the day I give to the Lord and then the other six days are for me, but he really wants them all. Um, so yeah, that's what I think about with, uh, I just think like, 
uh, Monday through through Saturday. That's kind of like me walking on the road. You know, Jesus is there helping me. But then Sunday, I finally realize, realize he's there. But you know, we should realize that he's there all seven days. So that's mm-hmm. what I think about a little bit. Yeah, just to uh, go off of that, one thing that uh, as you were talking about that made me think of is simply spending time with the Lord in prayer. So here I think at Miami, there's Eucharistic adoration for an hour every morning and uh, all day long on Monday. And just the opportunity to spend time with the Lord and allowing the Lord to reveal those things, you know, the ways He is working in your life simply to take time to reflect upon what's going on in your life and, you know, allow God to show you, okay, where is he working? Where is he present? Um, and, and those types of things. Yeah. So I think just taking that time as well, like you said, throughout the week to truly recognize the Lord in, in the bread, in the Eucharist, right? Um, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, maybe something that we could take away. That's really good. I, I my I remember in eighth grade my teacher was a nun. I went to Dominican school, Sister Veronica Marie, and she told us when we were in eighth grade, like, hey, when you get to college, like what happened to me, I, I went to adoration one hour a week and it was before and then I'd go to mass on Sundays and she just I remember she was saying that uh the days she the week she'd skip her adoration uh chapel it was like hard for her to be uh, more grateful come come mass on Sunday or even just like harder for her to give up even just like money in the collection basket uh, but, which which was interesting but she said through that development of relationship in adoration was when she was able to really like appreciate everything and just get to know the Lord more and so I remember that just random talk about coaches and teacher moments uh, some things just stick with you that's great yeah and the fact of her, and that's interesting you mentioned that about giving, right? Giving more of herself or giving more of her finances, which is really your time, right? Your money is like equal to this time. But I think go back to that line, you have Jesus at the table and he takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them. Because I think, of course, that's Jesus himself, right? That he's given this body, you know, the living word from God. He's the living bread. He's blessed. He's broken on behalf of us. You know, it's Good Friday. You know, he's laid down his life for us that we might be given this grace of new life, right? It's so beautiful. Then also, I think of, of course, Deacon Mike here, about to be ordained, Father Michael, uh, in less than a month. And so it's good to think about that as the priest is victim and um, priest and victim, both, right? It's Mm -hmm. supposed to be. So priest, but also all of us in some ways, right? Laying down our lives, whether it's like as a father for your family or, you know, us as single guys too, laying down our life for the Lord. But the fact that I think specifically a priest is a priest, you know, they say, Holy Sheen writes about being priest and victim, uh, just as Jesus was, right? The perfect, the lamb, the sacrifice. And so, yeah, that, you know, you're, you're, Jesus took the bread, you know, that you're blessed uh, as a priest, as this man. Then you're, you're broken, in some sense, right? That you're sacrificed for the people in a beautiful way, hopefully, uh, or certainly if following the Lord. Uh, but then for the sake of others, right? That others might receive that life of God, that others might receive Jesus literally in the Eucharist. Those might receive the graces of Jesus Christ. And so we're all called to imitate the life of Jesus, right? And giving of ourselves to God. And we realize we can only give uh, when we receive from God, right? We realize mm-hmm. that we are body. Our entire life is a gift for the Lord. And so that's lived out in every vocation, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're, whether you're a student, to realize that your entire life is a, a blessing from God. 
Uh, you have been blessed in your baptism. And so the Lord is able to use each of us then as uh, something to be offered, right? Every day we could offer to our Lord, uh, whether just starting with the morning offering, whether we're working or studying or going to school or class or just resting that day because we're sick or we need to catch up. Mm. Whatever it is, it could be a beautiful offering to God. And it's not so much how much we do, but how much love we put into it and faithfulness to God's will, uniting that with him just as Jesus did. And then that the Lord gives through that. The Lord mm. gives through that. And we unite Jesus' cross and his offering. So each and every day, even though maybe we can't make it to Mass, uh, we can make our day an offering because we all share in that common priesthood in some sense, right? We're baptized priest, prophet, and king. And so uh, Jesus wants to use each and every one of us to make an offering to be part of that. Now, that's not exactly what he's explaining here, but I'm just <laughs> diving into that a little yeah. bit. That line, those lines are so powerful. But certainly their hearts were burning within them. Mm. What a great line. That's just yeah. something I'm sure we can unpack next. But yeah, yeah, were not our hearts burning within us while he was opening the scriptures to us, you know, so even earlier, of course, they recognize him in the bread, but their heart burning with the scriptures. So, mm. yeah. yeah, that's a great line. It's uh, I love how many analogies is to the Holy Spirit is like tongues of fire burning, mm -hmm. and just fire in itself is just consumes it, it either fizzles out or it just burns the whole forest down. Mm -hmm. And just like the power that fire can have, if you just let it burn, I just. Yeah, and, and, and just personally, yeah, there's been times in my life where you really feel your heart burning on fire for the, for the love of God or, uh, yeah, just Christ. I, I, one in particular, my best friend in high school, senior year, shout out Wes Gardner. Uh, he's at Penn State now, and when he, he got baptized his senior year of high school, and I just remember he, maybe you wouldn't like me sharing this, but he just started crying after baptism and first confirmation, just couldn't handle it, and uh, it's just like, makes you want to cry it's like man i don't want to cry right now <laughs> but everyone else is doing it um so but yeah just the how fire it's really uh it's what word am i looking for it's infectious you yeah. know like it, it everyone else wants it as well so right yeah i heard somebody was reminding me of the analogy recently of the hot coals right when you have hot coals together you know if you want to stoke the fire you put the coals closer together and they get warmer and you can even take a coal that's not on fire and just put it with the hot coals mm. and it burns, right? It's on fire. But if you separate all the coals, they all just kind of fizzle out. And so the same with us, the same with seeing Wes, you know, just that Holy Spirit movement, uh, but also our need for community, right? In the midst of this, here's these guys walking together. They're talking about our Lord. They're talking about the scriptures. The same with us, you know? And so I encourage everyone out there just to Find a brother or sister in the Lord and just connect with them or to read some scripture together once a week or join a Bible study, whatever it may be, because the Lord wants our hearts to be set afire. He wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to know his love. And we get that by feeding off of the Lord working through us as community. We're all made for community because we're made to be those, uh, those charcoals, which are just stoked, you know? So especially if you're feeling isolated at any time, maybe you're feeling like my faith is getting weak or I'm just losing it to just connect yourself back in to your family or to the community or someone you can just speak to. Because often, I know in my own life, it's so important, like every day to connect with people because we don't want to lose that fire. Sometimes we know we could, it could be tempered a little bit now or then. But uh, yeah, we just want to be, we want to know that burning, we want to know the fullness of life. And we need to hear it from others. Sometimes it's just, we can't do it all on our own, certainly. Mm -hmm. And the Lord wants that. So, wow. yeah. Yeah, when that's, 
Bill, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on uh, just the importance of family and and sharing that kind of uh, faith, sharing the faith with family. A uh, shout out, Uncle Gene. Wanted to give him a shout. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I would say that when when it comes to the family, um, it it really starts with the parents, and um, Mike will attest that. You know, that's not always the best example in the world and not always the worst, but it's a priority. And as parents, you, you make it that priority and that, that centerpiece in your family. And as I tell people, I married way above myself. <laughs> so um, my wife has, Sally has brought um, Christ to the center of our family and we're not, we don't, we don't shy away from that. Um, and, and our kids know that. Um, so I, I think when you build that type of Catholic family, um, people notice that. And there's fruit from that. And, and uh, scripture tells us that it's in our fruit that we know we're doing things of God. Mm-hmm. And so... That doesn't make us perfect. That doesn't make, you know, everything we do perfect. But it does tell us that, you know what, we're following God, we're following Christ, and He and it is bearing good fruit. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if I'm answering your yeah, question. Yeah, absolutely. Not, but that's that's, yeah. as a family, that's how we kind of look at it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You, by, by their fruits, you shall know them. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's a good foundation. Yeah. No, that's, that's. I, I'm I'm glad we were able to talk about that. Yeah, Road to Emmaus. Uh, I love to, in the end, it says they went back to Jerusalem. And I don't think they were probably intending to, but after seeing Jesus, they went back. And it kind of reminds me when you were talking about how uh, Mrs. Sullivan will, had that center point on life, how we how we always have to keep going back. It's, it's not a one-time thing. Like every day we have to make that conscious decision to keep the Lord at the center of our hearts or... Uh, just to remain vigilant there. So, can I add to that, Johnny? Absolutely. In a in a, in the world we're in right now, and Michael's heard me say this before. <laughs> in the world we're in right now, there's so many that haven't been given the gift of faith and haven't understood the road that Christ has put us on, and they're falling into despair because they don't know. And so because of this podcast and because of faithful priests and faithful young Catholic men, you're helping bring people to a place where they can find hope and salvation and purpose. And that's critical to young people. It's critical to all people. Um, Because if you don't know there is a road, it's very easy to fall into despair. And um, even when we, we fall, and we all do, we know what to come back to. There's some people that don't know there's anywhere to come back to. And so, bless you guys for doing what you're doing. Thanks, Mr. Sullivan. That's a great final word. Yeah. I love that. Thanks for yeah. tuning in. Thanks for your witness. Thanks for being here too, Deacon Mike. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. It. It's awesome. Inspires us to try to reach more listeners. That's try right. to always, yeah, there's always someone who doesn't know That's the right. love of Christ. So. Inspire. Father Jacob, could you close us out in a in a prayer? Sure.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Through Jesus, we pray that we may continually know your graces and peace. We pray that you stay with us, Lord. We pray that you stay with us and that we recognize you uh, in so many ways, especially in the scriptures and the breaking of the bread. We know, Lord, uh, we pray that you, uh, that we are aware of your presence continually uh, throughout our days, and especially this day. And just to share that hope that we know, Lord, with those who are without hope or those who are struggling in their faith. And we ask Mother Mary to continually guide us to you, Lord Jesus, and we pray together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. She dogs out. She dogs out. out. <laughs> Just.